Good morning. How's it going? Good. Well, welcome to the global experience. It's here. It's finally here. We are so excited to have every one of you here. Those of you that are watching online, welcome. Uh, my name is Jonathan Murley. I'm the global missions pastor here at JFC. This is Ethan Matat. He's the associate global missions pastor and my right-hand man in the missions department. And he's actually a pretty, pretty fun guy to be around. He's a good travel partner. So you'll actually hear from him just a little bit later. <laughs> so we are so glad to... Uh, Let's move on here. <laughs> we are so glad to have you guys here. Uh, we're actually really excited to, to be able to share with you uh, about where we're going as a church in the area of, uh, of global missions. And you may be asking yourself, what, what is this global experience? You know, when you have an experience with something, uh, it impacts you. Hopefully, in a, in a positive sense, it radically changes you. You feel it. You encounter it. Uh, hopefully, you learn something from it, Right? So the global experience is our opportunity as a church to feel, to encounter, and to find out what God is actually doing uh, in our church and through our church in the area of global missions. And even just outside the walls of, of this campus here and at our Lakewood campus, you may have seen a, a tent that's out there. It looks like a shack. You can actually experience the world without leaving it, without a passport. And we have a partner with Compassion International this weekend. You'll hear about that. But you'll want to make sure that you go through that this weekend and uh, an experience. We have uh, Guatemala and Uganda here, and we have Philippines and Dominican Republic over at our Lakewood campus. So we'll tell you about that in just a minute. For the last few years, we've had great speakers at the Global Experience. We've had uh, Dan Bauman, who loves Dan Bauman, his stories. Nobody can beat Dan Bauman's stories. Paul Childers, amazing accent, right? Amazing New Zealand accent. I actually tried to practice it with a New Zealand accent. It didn't come off so well. So I'm going to go with my uh, born in Wyoming, grew up in Colorado accent here. So hopefully it works for you guys. Um, we really felt like it was our year to share with you where we are going to hear from the heart, for hear, hear the vision of the missions pastors for the strategy and the efforts and what we are doing, what our place is to reach the world. And we're so excited to, uh, to be, uh, be here with you but also we're excited to invite you to be a part of it. Everyone's got a place in that. I'm going to start with uh, one overarching premise that we have in the missions department and uh, one that we want to lay out today for you uh, in the message to start this week of the global experience. If you're an academic, it's our, our thesis statement, so to speak. Check this out. God has created the church, the church at large, the global church, to be the primary mechanism to reach the lost and unreached around the world. And he has given each person the unique task and privilege to be part of his story of redemption. This church, the church across the street, the church down the road, the global church, he's given the church the role to be the primary mechanism to reach the lost. And he's given each of us, those that are watching online at the campuses, each of us that are here, he's given us the role the unique task of reaching the world. Before we get too far into that, though, uh, I want to tell you how you have already been reaching the world. Check this out. I've been the missions pastor for more than four years, and we've taken nearly 40 short-term teams around the world. We have two teams that are leaving in a few weeks. We have one that's going to Belize, and we have a team that's going to Southeast Asia, and they're going to minister to people from all over Southeast Asia. Uh, they're doing worship for a, a conference that's there. We're excited about that. On Tuesday night, you can hear about what we have going on for 2016. By the way, you have a boarding pass on your seat. 
If you come to that, you have an opportunity to win a $500 credit, a $1,000 credit, or a free 2016 JFC mission trip. So you don't want to miss Tuesday night. A couple, uh, a couple of months ago, you, uh, you heard of a team that was going to, to India, a team of young adults. I don't know if you guys remember that. But we sent a team of young adults to work with children that were rescued out of the red light district in the state of Maharashtra. And when you heard about this, you gave more than $25,000 to the efforts there. $25,000. Probably my favorite thing that happened this summer was actually at VBS. Our VBS, the theme of it was Everest. It happened in June, but how many of you remember what happened in Nepal in April? There was this massive earthquake. So we brought this to the kids and we said, hey, this is your opportunity to, uh, to touch the world. And guess what these kids, like little kids to, to no more than I think third or fourth grade, guess how much money that they gave? $7,000 to the relief and evangelistic efforts that were carried out by our, uh, one of our partners, Charlie Pisarek, in his ministry, Relevant Expeditions. Guys, kids gave $7,000. That is amazing. That is amazing. That, I just appreciate it about our church, how giving you are. So thank you for that. Actually, when you give your tithe, we actually take a tithe of at, of at least 10% and give that to missions. And we're therefore able to support missionaries, 13 missionaries in Central and South America and Africa and Europe and in Asia. And you hear about those at our, uh, our missions moments that we have every once in a while. So that's, uh, that's amazing. I could actually take this entire service and tell you, about, uh, tell you about how you have given. But on behalf of us in the missions department, because we get the fun job of, of actually telling people, hey, you got $7,000, you got $25,000, and it blesses them. But on behalf of the people that benefited from that, thank you so much for, for being generous. One of my favorite quotes about the Bible comes from Dr. Nina Gunter. She's a missiologist, and she says it this way. If you take missions out of the Bible, you won't have anything left but the covers. If you strip God's mission out of the Bible, there won't be anything left but the thing that encloses that. And it starts in Genesis with the God who goes after two sinners to bring them back into relationship with him. And it goes all the way through the Bible to Revelation where it says, speaking of Jesus, your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe, every nation, every language, and every people. If you take missions out of the Bible, you won't have anything left but the covers. So I want to invite Ethan to come up and actually tell us what the, what the Bible has to say about missions. Well, good morning. <clears throat> My confidence is through the roof this morning, finding out that I am actually kind of fun to be around. So thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> God bless you. Um, if you hear the word missions, if you're anything like me, the word missions or missionary, you may feel overwhelmed. You may feel intimidated. It might be like, here comes a guilt trip. And that's not the tone we want you to hear this morning. I know for me growing up, I thought pastors are the varsity Christians, which I have successfully disproved. And missionaries are the super varsity Christians, right? Like those people live in other countries. They're living these crazy lives in these crazy places. And today I wanna to make this accessible to all of us because missionary is not a word in the Bible. You'll never find it in there. Missionary is a way of life. Mission is a way of life. And we are all unified and invited into God's mission. So let's go to the Bible. <clears throat> I put in your notes Genesis chapter 12 and I highlighted two things from the first three verses, but let me read the passage to you real quick. 
This is the call of Abram, who becomes Abraham. Most of you know his story. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You're gonna hear the word blessing, blessed a lot this morning. And if you're on like Instagram and stuff, everyone's hashtagging blessed. We're going to talk about what being a blessing looks like. And that's what I highlighted in your notes because this call that God gives to this man, Abraham, who really is kind of the, the guy he starts this mission through, this, this mission of reconciliation that Jonathan referenced, he says, you will be a blessing. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What I love about Abraham is the next three words after that passage, it says, and Abram left. And maybe he questioned himself. Maybe he was like, I don't know if I'm the man for the job. I don't know. But what I do know is he went. He had the faith to follow after God and the willingness to jump into the mission of reconciliation. I know for me, that's about all I have to offer as being a willing guy, but I have that. So he tells him, you're gonna be a blessing. And when they make a covenant later, they seal this deal. God says to him, puts this in a little different terms. He says, through your offspring, all nations will be blessed, all nations meaning all people groups, which sounds like a crazy promise to a guy who is currently not even able to have a son, right? You know that story. But we know that Israel comes from Abraham, this nation that we hear about all through the Old Testament. We hear about them in the news all the time, God's chosen people, this nation that God has shown himself to, but also that he shows himself through to the world. And there's wars and there's kings and we hear, you know, these crazy stories and all along, there's these echoes and whispers of this call that, hey, we're God's people. We're to be a blessing to the world. Our father, Abraham, was called to bless the world. His offspring will bless the world. And then we see the fruition, the culmination, this promise kept, answered on the cross. When the offspring of Abraham, the other side of his family tree, go to Matthew 1 and check it out. Jesus Christ, his offspring, blesses all people through his blood. The promise is answered. And then Jesus doesn't just grab his buddies and say, all right, guys, I took care of business. Let's get out of here. See everybody else later. He actually revamps the call that Abraham had. There's actually a kind of unifying mission going on here all through the Bible as God's people that we are invited into. In Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, the poster board verse of global missions right here. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, you as God's people have been called to be a blessing to the world. You've been blessed to be a blessing. And I am that blessing. You've walked with that blessing You've seen that blessing bleed for you, and you've seen that blessing rise to give you new life, to reconcile you back to your father. Now go share that. It's the commission that we have, and these, these disciples lived it out. We're here today worshiping because they took the commission and went for it. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says that we all followers are ambassadors of Christ, that we carry the ministry of reconciliation, that we get to share the good news in a world full of bad news. That's who we are. We're called to be a blessing. We're commissioned to share the love of Jesus. 
around the world. And Jonathan talked about Revelation. It says, with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. We hear every tribe, tongue, all those things. Revelation 5, this passage, it points us to know that at the end of this age that Jesus promised that he will be with us too. That there will be people from every people group on earth worshiping him, knowing their savior, having been reconciled back to God. And how do we get from point A to point B? Us, people. People that answer the call. People that jump into the commission. And maybe you look at Peter and John and Paul like me and think, man, like super varsity Christians, you know, or you look in history at Mother Teresa or William Wilberforce, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, these people who changed the times they lived in, who changed culture, and you think, wow, wish I was like that. Well, those were gifted people, absolutely, amazing people. They were also just as sinful and flawed as any of us. But I believe that we know who they are, and they changed the time they lived in because they answered the call. They jumped into God's story and his mission. And I put a challenge in your notes. It's what I challenge myself with. It says, is God's glory being made known through lost people being found more important than my or your blank? I challenge myself with this all the time. Is God's glory, our people coming to know Jesus, is that more important to me than my time or my plans that I can draw up or my comfort, the little life that I could dream up? Is it more important to me? Because I'm saved. And I think that's what these guys realized when Jesus said this. They're like, man, he came for us and he gave us the ultimate blessing that we've been hearing about that was promised to our father Abraham. And now we've been blessed. So what do we do? We go change the world. We go tell people the blessing that has come for them. And they step into it. And it's for all of us. David Platt says, God involves us in his mission, not because he needs us, but because he loves us. So this morning, I hope the tone you hear is invitation, not obligation. I'll close this part with this passage from a guy named Bob Goff. He says, if you want to know the answer to the bigger question, what's God's plan for the world? Buckle up, it's us. We're God's plan and we always have been. We aren't just supposed to be observers, listeners, or have a bunch of opinions. We're not here to let everyone know what we agree and don't agree with, because frankly, who cares? Tell me about the God you love. Tell me about what he has inspired uniquely in you. Tell me about what you're going to do about it. And a plan for your life will be pretty easy to figure out from there. I guess what I'm saying is that most of us don't get an audible plan for our lives. It's way better than that. We get to be God's plan for the whole world by pointing people back to him. So from the beginning of time, God had his sights set on you. From the beginning of time, God knew you. He formed you in your mother's womb. And he had this amazing, remarkable plan set out for you before you're even a, a twinkle in your mom and dad's eyes. And I love that. You are God's calling. You know, at the, really at the core of, uh, of reaching the world, the world that's around us, our communities, our, our cities, our states, and then to the ends of the earth is actually knowing what God thinks about us. He's actually knowing what 
uh, the, the, like how madly in love God is with me. And when I know how madly in love that God is with me, I actually know what God thinks about that person across the street, that person downtown Denver, that person over in India, that person down in, in Bolivia. I know because I know what he thinks about me. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So I made the statement uh, just a little bit earlier. I want to focus on the second part. God has created the church to be the primary mechanism to reach the lost and unreached around the world. And that he has given each person, each of you, those of you that are watching online, myself, each person, the unique task and privilege to be part of his story of redemption. And I want to show you from Scripture that it, this, this mission isn't their job for them over there. I want to actually show you from Scripture that God has actually creatively, uniquely, purposefully put together your life to be used for good and for God in the world. And that he actually uses the good and the mundane and the downright ugly things that you and I have in our lives to be used for good in this world, to be used for God, to bring people back into redemption through what Jesus Christ did for us. You know, I remember meeting a few years ago with a, a woman and she was going on one of our short-term trips and uh, she was just crying um, because her and her husband had lost, uh, a lo- lost a son, lost a child, um, I think when he was 18 years old. And she was just crying, just wondering, you know, just what God could, could use that with. Little did she know that the place that we were going, childhood um, death is very common. And God actually used her story, the thing that the enemy meant for harm in their lives. He actually used that for good and administer some to other people that I would have no way of ministering. I've never lost a child. God used that, that thing that the enemy meant for harm. He used that for good. I want to read this scripture from 1 Corinthians 12. Listen to this. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and do all kinds of people. Love that part, last part. The variety is wonderful. At the core of us reaching the world is a connection and a relationship with the creator of the universe who spoke and the mountains appeared, who spoke and the oceans filled up, who spoke and stars appeared, who actually named each star because he knows each of those two. But this creator of this massive universe knows each and every one of us. And he loves us, but he also likes us. And he invites us into this plan, this plan, because we are his plan to reach the world. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I love how that scripture reads. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. See, when you do the things that he's calling you to do, when you use your gifts and your talents, when you use the things that you like, when you use the things that you're interested in, when you use the things that you're good at, when you use your education and your profession for something greater than yourself. See, I've known what it is like to live for myself. I've known what it's like to pursue 
money. And I really felt like in the first service we did earlier today that there's a key to what we're talking about here. This thing called a full and abundant life. That's not for heaven. That's actually for right here. What is the key to that? There's probably a number of different keys. But I'm telling you that I really feel like God is speaking to us that one of the keys is to live for something greater than yourself. And when you live for something greater than yourself, when you do your plan, when you do your plan, when I do my plan, when he does his plan, we will fulfill this great commission that calls us to go to our cities. JFC's mission is what? Plant churches and make disciples. When we do that thing right here, when we go to our cities, when we go to our nation, when we go to the ends of the earth, we will fulfill that great commission. You know, between the two of us, Ethan and I, I've said he's a good travel partner, it's the truth. We've actually been to more than 70 nations between the two of us. But neither of us had had the opportunity to go to China. And a few weeks ago, we got the great pleasure to go to, to China. It was such, a, such an amazing thing. Got to tour around a little bit, but we also got to meet people, meet people that once were lost and now are found. We also got to meet a lot of lost people as well. But we were driving through uh, this nation. We were in the northwest part of China, which actually has a high density of, of Islam. We were driving out to this, uh, this town called Linxia. And we were driving out there, and along this 70-kilometer this stretch of road, we began to see the familiar domes and crescent moons of mosques. Some of them were small. Some of them were actually massive, massive for thousands of, uh, thousands of people. And along this stretch of road, we actually counted more than 100 mosques. And just to put it into context for those of you that are right here, those of you that are watching online, it would be like if we were right here at Lone Tree Campus and we drove out to the airport along, along the tollway. And if we were to see a mosque every 1,600 feet, all the way from here to the airport, that would be the density of, of, of mosques in Islam in this area. It's hard for most of us to, to imagine. It's likely there wasn't even one Christian in this area, and we certainly didn't see any, any churches, any, any crosses on top of buildings there. Again, put it into context. It would be like in the whole of Denver if there wasn't one Christian. But to even take it a step further, it would be like in the whole of Denver if there wasn't one person that had even heard about this, Jesus. See, we met with a lot of different believers when we were in China. And I asked them, of every one of them, I asked them this question. Before you became a follower of Christ, had you ever heard of the name of Jesus? And every single one of them said, we had never heard of the name of Jesus. And these are, when they became Christians, uh, they were university students or, or after that. They were university students and had never heard, even heard of who Jesus was. That's incredible. Most of us can't imagine that. Most of us can't fathom that, but that is the reality of entire nations and people groups. Missiologists, people who study this thing out, have identified in the north of Yemen, there are 8 million people, and they have found 12 or 13 followers of Jesus. In a place that we've actually been to a couple of times, communist country in Southeast Asia. I just heard of this story five days ago. Four believers nine months ago were put into jail. And they were put into jail. And the story actually came out because one of them passed away from, uh, in jail, passed away from complications of diabetes. So I'm reading this story and I go on and I'm, I'm interested in what heinous crime these people commit. 
being thrown into jail. Here's their heinous crime. They heard of a sick woman, and they went and prayed for her. Because in this communist country in Southeast Asia, publicly praying for somebody needs, needs government permission. In this communist country in Southeast Asia, in order to have a gathering like you and I so freely experience right now, you need permission from the government to do. That is the reality of many people that are around the world. I told you about the term 1040 window. I want to show you what this means. I'll show you what this is. If you were to draw a rectangle from the north of Africa all the way through the Middle East, India and China and Asia, Southeast Asia, that would be the term called the 1040 window. So who cares, Jonathan? Why is this important? It's important for a number of different reasons. I'm going to tell you about three of them. The first reason, reason is that this area has the greatest population of religions outside of Christianity. Islam, Hinduism, and Buddhism. The second reason why this is important is the preponderance of poor. More than eight out of ten of the poorest of the world's poor reside in this rectangle right here. More than eight out of ten of the poorest of the poor reside in the 1040 window. But probably the most important reason why, this, why we should care about this, this area of the world. We obviously care about all areas of the world. We care about Lone Tree. We care about Highlands Ranch. It's the reason why we invest in planting churches and making disciples. Because people right here in our cities matter. But the reason why we should also care about this is that the area, the, the world's unreached, largely reside in this area. I want to talk to you about this term unreached real quick. We could throw this definition up real quick. I'll tell you about it. Okay. An unreached. Okay, this is the unreached. An unreached or least reached people is a people group among which there is no indigenous community of believing Christians with adequate numbers and resources to evangelize this group. Plain English. There's no access or there's limited access to the gospel. There are very few Christians or there are no Christians. There are very few churches or there are no churches. In some cases, it's illegal to have church. It's illegal to gather. Christians are persecuted. Followers of Christ are sometimes even put to death. That's why we should care about this area. That's why we should care about this area. I want to teach you a core concept about reaching the world. There are lost and unreached all around us. Take a quick walk around downtown Denver and you'll quickly find that's the case, right? right? I took my wife on a date down there a couple, couple months ago and we saw lost all around us. But the reality is that any one of those people can go within walking distance or a short car ride to a Bible-believing, Christ-centered, life-giving church. They've just chosen not to do that. Contrast that with the world's unreached, largely located in this 1040 window where they don't even have the opportunity to reject the name of Jesus. They don't even have the opportunity to say, you know what, I've heard about that. I've gone to your church. That's not for me. Imagine this. Living, being born, and living your entire life and dying and not even hearing about the name of Jesus. In my office, I have Coke bottles from the countries that I go to. I love collecting it. It's getting bigger and bigger every day. I love it. The mission of Coke is simple, to get a Coke in the hand of every person in the world. 
And I go to many of these countries here where I can, and I see people drinking Coke, and they don't know about the name of Jesus. And this is the reality of more than 2 billion people, 2 billion people around the world. So we're bringing big ideas, pretty um, tough realities to kind of wrestle with. And I want to boil this down to person to person. What does this look like in your life? What does this look like for me? And our theme this year for the global experience is reach for the one, because we hear these news stories and these giant issues, and it can feel so overwhelming. This is about people. You know, these causes or justice issues are in place because there's people affected by those things. Jesus came for justice and for a cause, which was us. It's about people. It says in your notes, the purpose is the people. And God's putting people in our paths every single day to reach, to bless, to love, that we are called and commissioned to. So I want to give you a few examples of how this has played out in my life. Um, that might help the wheels start turning in yours and bring faces to mind of people you might be called to love and bless. Jonathan mentioned we were in uh, China, this northwest area where Islam is very prevalent. And so we went to this mosque. I was taking video, just being a tourist. And I noticed this kid, and I noticed him because he was the only kid I saw there. There's all these men rushing in for five o'clock prayer. And my camera was close to him, so I set it up and got him on camera. And before I talk about him, um, let me show him to you. <laughs> Sweet little guy. Um, ever since this, this kid has haunted me. And I'll tell you why. I can see him 30 years 40 years, 50 years from now, right there. The place he lives in the world, the people group he's in, the culture of religion that he's growing up in, this kid's chance to know that his God that created him loves him and has reconciled him home is so small. The chance for him to know that. So he haunts me, but he haunts me in a good way because it, I believe that God lets us be haunted and makes us experience uncomfortable things because we're driven to do something about it. And that's what he represents to me. This face is the face of unreached people for me now. And I'm asking myself with my place in life, my resources, my time, the blessing that I have in my life, how could I bless people like him? And you may say, yeah, well, you're a missions pastor. That's your job. True. But you can ask those same questions because you're blessed in different ways than I am. You've got different life experiences, ways that God could use you for those faces that haunt you. I saw this play out. Jonathan mentioned uh, India and a young adults team. This story started five years ago for me and a couple of my buddies. Uh, we were sitting in a church in Boulder and heard about the reality of what life is like for girls, like the girls right here, growing up in the red light district who are basically destined, because of the karma culture, the caste system, the Hindu belief system, they're destined to be slaves for their whole lives. So I heard about this, and it haunted me, and I wanted to do something, to engage in somebody's story within this. Two years later, we went to India and got to live with a pastor for a little while who has devoted his life to pulling girls out of that life, giving them a chance for education, basic freedoms, 
but most of all, introducing them to the Savior who says, your destiny is defined by my blood. You're defined by me now. So we started telling their story. We couldn't help but tell their story. Brought it to this church. And you raised $25,000 for girls like Hasina right here to be more protected, have a better education. And one day, I went to a church service led by her. She's 12. I know that these girls are gonna jump into the mission and calling that God has for them, and they're going to be a massive blessing to the world. If there's a varsity or a super varsity Christian in the world, it's this girl right here. I can tell you that. And that was just me taking a step, just jumping into God's mission for somebody's life and him doing amazing things. There's a pastor in Haiti that some guys from this church have gotten the opportunity to watch their callings and their mission combined with his to go to his part of the world where he's living out his call and commission in a place where witchcraft and voodoo are so prevalent to help him build up his church physically and spiritually. And there's guys going back next year. Amazing, cool, simple stories where we just take a step and God takes our callings and missions and he just blows our minds with what he can do. So you might be thinking, that's, that's awesome. You know, other countries, very cool. But for me, you know, I'm not in a season of life where I can go somewhere else or I'm focused here in our backyard. And that's what I love about the Great Commission is that he doesn't say like the literal four corners of the map or the ends of the earth. There's no limits, there's no boundaries, there's no borders. We're not confined to anything. The love of Jesus is for the people in our path every single day. So here's something we can all relate to. This guy up next, my best friend, Eric. First day of seventh grade, our lockers were next to each other. We've been best friends ever since. And we're friends because we like sports, like hanging out. But I think also that I realized at a point when God grabbed hold of my heart that he put people and best friends in my life so that I could love them with his love. So that when Eric has gone through hard times, I could be there to try to be a blessing to him, to love him, that he's a part of my calling. And I'm not friends with him with a strategy of, yeah, we'll be friends based on your church attendance. I'm friends because I love this guy, but with the love that Jesus has given me. And he's part of that calling in my life. Or these two young men, I married their sister a year ago. And they're not just two little punk brothers I now have. These are two young men that I'm called to love, to bless, to make disciples of, to help navigate the crazy culture they're growing up in so that they will one day be men who are a blessing men who jump into God's mission and his call for their lives. And, and why do I want this for all the people in my life? The love of Jesus, go with me here. Do you believe that freedom is found in his love? That's where we find freedom, right? We wanna be free. Jesus offered us full life as well. And I believe that he lived the fullest life and he laid out a template for us of how to live a full life. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. So we want full life. We find freedom in the love of Jesus. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 3, 16 that this is how we know what love is. That Christ Jesus laid down his life for us. His sacrifice, the laying down of his life is the greatest display of love the world will ever know. And you might hear sacrifice and laying your life down and think, well, that's not a lot of fun. I may not get what I want or what I need. And you may not at times. It may be difficult. But if Jesus lived the fullest life and the fulfillment of his life came on the cross in sacrifice, 
then there's this great paradox that we find freedom in laying ourselves down. It goes against what we feel like we're supposed to do. And I want my friends to have full lives. And what I've found is that when I've lived in my life with the blessings that God's given me, holding them so close, not wanting to bless anybody else, being God of my own life, wanting everything to be for my benefit, those were the most miserable years of my life. And when God gave me a call and a mission to step into what he's doing, into his story, that is so great. His story of reconciliation, his story of freedom, his story of love, and my heart started beating. I actually became alive. You can't hear the story of Jesus shedding his blood, your savior, your creator, seeing you in your sin, seeing the gap that we create when we sin against him, but saying, no, I'm not gonna make you pay, I'll pay, because I love you that much, because that's who I am, that is in my character to reconcile you to me. You can't hear that and not be moved. I believe that our faith should demand action, and I don't mean that in a religious sense or an obligation. I mean that if your heart's not beating because Jesus died for you, then check your pulse. Or if that message has grown stale for you, maybe it's time to put it into action. Maybe it's time to see the love of God flow out of you. We don't just come to church to, to feel good about ourselves or do a good thing every week. There are people in the world who don't know Jesus, and we want them to know Jesus. In the grand scheme, when we look cover to cover in the Bible, eternity is at stake here. That's what this is about. And there are people like us in this room who know Jesus and we do what we do in ministry and missions because we want people who know Jesus to live full lives. And those full lives come in laying ours down and picking up his resurrected life, jumping into his call and his mission and watching him work in miraculous ways so that as we head home to our eternal place with him, we're taking everybody we can in our path with us. There's, there's something to this for one or more people here. If you're asking yourself, is, that, is, is this all there is to Christianity? Is this all there is? There's something to what we're saying here. There's a key to actually living for something more than yourself. So chew on that. I'm just going to finish up by reading a story. Um, actually, the, the story that uh, as a young, uh, young college student impacted me the most and it really helped me, inspire me to uh, what I'm called to do. That comes from Dr. Paul Brand, who was a, a surgeon, uh, a British surgeon and missionary to India. And he wrote it in his book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. And he tells us after World War II, a group of German students, young people, volunteered to help rebuild a cathedral in England that had been the casualty of the Luftwaffe bombings. As the work progressed, debate broke out on how best to restore a large statue of Jesus with his arms outstretched and bearing the familiar inscription, come unto me. Careful patching could repair all damage to the statue except for Christ's hands, which had been destroyed by bomb fragments. Should they attempt the delicate task of reshaping those hands? Finally, finally the young workers reached a decision that still stands today. The statue of Jesus has no hands, but the inscription now reads, Christ has no hands but ours. No hands but ours. We want to invite you in this week, but not just this week. We want to invite you in to this amazing journey, this amazing life of touching those that are around you, of touching those that are around this world. 
using the things that God has given you in your life for good and for God in the world. We want to invite you to be a part of that and to be the one and reach for the one that he has put in your path. There's magnets on your seats, and these give you some ideas um, to start dreaming about and thinking about how you can reach the world. So stick these on your refrigerator, talk about them with your family, with your friends, and see what God does. See what step he might put in front of you. That sounds so crazy that he's going to have to make it happen. Those are the kind of dreams and prayers that God loves. So you've heard about the, the global experience, and on Tuesday night, the global launch, we have a, a launch event where we are gathering all campuses here at this, uh, at this campus at 7 p.m. You'll find on your seat this boarding pass, and that has details of uh, the Compassion Experience as well as the thing on Tuesday night, the global launch on Tuesday night. We want to invite you to just come and be a part of that. First of all, it's, it's amazing worship, amazing, amazing worship by all of our, our worship pastors. We have an amazing message, a really inspiring message from uh, Jervis Fisher, our missionary down in Belize. He's here. And uh, if he's, you wouldn't want to miss Jervis. Jervis is amazing. And then we're going to have a job fair style set up in this room where we're going to announce all of our opportunities to serve around the world, but also all of our opportunities to serve here, uh, right here in the United States. So we have that on Tuesday night. If you go through the Compassion Experience, there's a, a trunk that's right outside the exit right here in, and at Lakewood. Drop this boarding pass. Fill it out. Drop it in that. And if you come on Tuesday night, you'll get another entry for uh, a $500 credit, $1,000 credit, and a free mission trip. But you have to be present on Tuesday night to win. In partnering with Compassion, it's been amazing seeing people come out of the experience, especially kids. I saw a kid yesterday. He's, he goes, Mom, I don't care if it's $50 a month, all of my allowance, I want to sponsor a kid. I don't care if I have to pay you back. Let's do this. And I was just like, if only we could be like kids. Um, part of our, our goal this weekend as a church is sponsoring 350 children through Compassion. And there's probably about that many in this room, so we can do this. 350 kids who need a sponsor. If you want to hear how their story will be changed by you, go through the trucks. Right in the lobby, there are packets ready with beautiful faces that you will impact. You will give them the chance at school and um, help their family with basic necessities, as well as a place where they can grow up knowing Jesus. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys to consider that and do that. If you feel like you need to go home and pray about it, you don't need to do that because God already told us to do this. God says yes. These are his children. Okay? There's that, that passage that says, when I was hungry, you fed me. And I think, in my paraphrase, I think it says, when I needed a sponsor, you sponsored me. Okay? So $38 a month, what does that mean? That means you and your family maybe stay in for a movie instead of going to the movies once a month. And you will literally impact, you will reach for the one through a kid like this young man. So please go out to the lobby, go through the experience. Thank you guys, let's close in a word of prayer. Jesus, we thank you that you went all the way, God, to reconcile us to you, that you love us so much. And I pray that that love would just stir in us today, that we would not be able to help but speak about it and act about it, that it would come out of us. I pray that you would inspire individuals in their callings and the people that you're putting in their path to love, to bless. We thank you, 
Jesus, for the opportunity and that you love us and invite us into your mission, that you involve us in your mission, God, because you love us. And I pray that everyone would feel inspired and moved and excited about that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.